Hello and welcome to another episode of Olivia's Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Breitkopf. And today we've got a returning guest, one of my favorite guests, a person I uh, admire and respect greatly. Uh, I'm here once again with Marvin Vilma. Marvin, how you doing? Doing well, Jason. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much. Uh, previously, Marvin uh, was part of a series that we did uh, that aired last spring and summer on... Uh, independent high school admissions and the process for that but I brought Marvin back because of his vast experience in the world of uh, college counseling and admissions to talk about a topic that is really super important to me and I think it'll be important to everybody else listening at home a lot of what we've talked about on the podcast over the last year or so has been things like GPA uh, test scores um, subject tests, APs, and things like that, things that generate numbers. And what, from what I know of the college admissions process, it's more than just about numbers, so I want to talk about going beyond the numbers. So Marvin, uh, before we get started, uh, why don't you tell uh, our listeners uh, at home and on their commute a little bit about yourself? Sure thing. Uh, so my name is Marvin Velma. I've had the pleasure of being in college admissions at Babson College and I've also been able to read files for other institutions as well, including American University and University of Colorado Boulder. So uh, it's really great that I've been able to see three different type of, types of colleges and how they think about uh, reading files and how they think about admitting students to build a class that's really diverse, but also very academically well-performing as well. And I have the distinct pleasure of working with Jason, so thank you for having me back <laughs> on the show. And I'm hoping to share a little bit about what I've learned this past year working with students and hopefully uh, prompt some good questions and ideas for how families can move forward with the process. In addition to working in admissions at the college level, you've also worked uh, at high schools as well, if I'm not mistaken. I have, yeah. Well, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I was a teacher at an independent school in the greater Boston area where I taught English and did diversity initiatives. Uh, and I've been in higher ed ever since then um, in different capacities, running a high school program uh, in admissions, obviously, and in fundraising and development as well. So I've been able to see education from very different angles, which is kind of awesome. Oh, I think that's great. That's one of the reasons why I love having you on is because you've done, you've done, you've a percentage or a way you could express it about the way college admissions officers, college admissions departments, colleges in general think about the balance between the numbers part of the process, uh, GPA, test scores, things like that, and the non-number based uh, things about students, the, 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 the more um, social emotional parts of an application. Mm -hmm. I don't know that there's a specific ratio that admission counselors tend to think about, and certainly during my time in admissions, I didn't think about it in terms of weighing one portion of their application more than another. I really think about the numbers and the um, kind of qualitative information beyond the numbers as both working in sync with one another. So the numbers help to kind of set the tone and baseline for what a student has had exposure to, at their school, how well they've been able to perform within their context. But I really use that narrative piece to really shape a story around why a student might be performing the way that they are performing and what are their hopes and dreams um, and whether those align well with what we're looking for in the admission process. 
So for me, one of the big things that when I'm working with students, whether I'm teaching a study skills class or I'm teaching test prep or students or parents are just asking for my advice on the college admissions process just because of my experience uh, working in education over the years, one of the things I like to uh, remind them is that it's not just a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And that there are things beyond that. And so you were talking a little bit just now about um, a narrative that a student builds. In your opinion, how does a student do that? How does a student build a narrative? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. The admission process, in my perspective, mm -hmm. in my opinion, and again, again, you know, you're one person. You've worked at a couple of places, exactly. but you're not everybody. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm, I'll grant you that. Thank you. Um, it's a huge self-reflective exercise. And so as a student embarks on this journey, they should be really mindful of, I hate to use this because it's so cliche, but who they are as a person and what might they contribute to a school community. Um, the narrative is really about those questions, you know, who mm -hmm. you are and what will you bring to the community. And it's also about what in your history and your life journey has brought you to where you are now. Um, I think... As an admission counselor, I was really interested in looking at different schools, looking at different students within the specific context. So is a student coming from a community where there was tons of access or did a student not have access to certain things? And that really helped me to make decisions that I thought were fair and equitable um, and really does justice to the student and, and what opportunities they had exposure to. So I think that's kind of the, the crux of the narrative, giving that historical context, um, but also telling us a little bit about who you are, what, what makes you unique, or maybe what doesn't make you unique, and what are you hoping to gain from an experience at my institution or other institutions that you're looking at. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think community and culture matters, both in terms of the community and culture of the college or university, that institution, and the community and culture from which the student originates. Mm -hmm. One of the um, big stories I like to, well, one of, the, one of the examples I like to use over and over again because it's my personal example is that I chose to attend Brandeis University for my undergrad. And one of the reasons that I chose that school was because of its Jewishness. Mm -hmm. Because it's a secular Jewish institution. 65% uh, on average every year of the students are Jewish. And I felt very comfortable in that environment as a Jewish person myself. Uh, probably about 10 minutes down the road from Brandeis is a very prestigious place called Boston College. Mm -hmm. A great school. And if you ever look at things like the U.S. News and World Report rankings or other ranking systems, those two schools tend to be pretty close to each other yeah. in the rankings almost every year. Boston College, in juxtaposition, is... Uh, a, a private college, just like Brandeis, but a Jesuit Catholic university. Right. And as one uh, uh, co-worker of mine uh, says, in every classroom, on uh, in every building, uh, there's a crucifix mm -hmm. on the wall. Mm -hmm. And that's not necessarily something with which I have a great deal of comfort. Right. So culturally, regardless of how good Boston College is, would I have felt comfortable there? Mm -hmm. And I think that's one thing that students need to look at and I think from what I'm getting from what you're saying is that colleges kind of look at the same thing is this a student who's going to contribute to our community so what exactly does that mean to contribute to the community what was what would what was what did that mean to you when you were asking yourself that question when you were an admissions mm -hmm. officer mm -hmm. that meant to me 
are they going to be excited about the academic offerings that we have? Are they going to contribute, of course, to the community in terms of student groups? I think that's the easiest way to think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, student groups, cultural communities, affinity groups, so on and so forth. But more than that, how is a student going to contribute to the intellectual community? Working at Babson, because it was a business school, obviously we're looking for students with a passion for business. Mm -hmm. And if in a student's narrative they indicate that they're really passionate about biology and they hope to become a doctor one day, that misalignment would not necessarily be a red flag, but it mm -hmm. would prompt a lot of questions as to why are you applying to Babson if your aspirations are going to take you in a different direction. So I think um, kind of looking at how your values, how your interests, how your intellectual, intellectual curiosity aligns with the institution is what I was looking for. Um, and also, you know, are you able to articulate that really well in writing mm -hmm. uh, as well? Or in video, because I think that's the other piece now that a right. lot of schools don't use essays. They give students the option to express themselves in a way that resonates with them, whether it's video, whether it's writing or whatever, whatever other options there are. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of students don't realize. I mean, when I'm working with students, and one of the things I love to do is tutor students through the essay writing part of the college application process. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the full-on you know, main college application essay, whether it's the Common App or uh, a question posed by an individual school, or the supplemental writing samples, that's something I really love to do because it helps a student kind of help them define themselves. Mm -hmm. um, back in the day, and again, I believe I'm noticeably older than you, uh, back in the day, uh, when I was applying to college, that was it. It was they, These were essays, and I'm old enough that they had to be typed on a typewriter. Mm -hmm. That's embarrassing to admit. Uh, so it was just before the time uh, before you could submit things online, which was just not physically possible back then. And nowadays, of course, it's all online where you submit your you know Google Doc or Word document online. But nowadays, folks can make uh, videos and uh and one of the things I encourage students to do is uh, create a portfolio, whether it's a portfolio of their artwork if they're an artist or um, you know, if they're an entrepreneur and they're applying to Babson, uh, maybe a, a portfolio of pictures, images, and reviews of the business they've started. Things like that. I think that is something that students can really get excited about, especially if writing is not necessarily their absolute favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. As an admissions officer, and again, it was in the last several years, I assume, uh, when someone submitted a portfolio or a video, um, was that something that affected you uh, differently than, say, a traditional writing sample? Hmm. To be quite honest, I don't know that I've thought about it that deeply. Okay. As I reflect on it now, I would say yes. I think that students... Um, the vehicle in which they choose to tell their story says a lot about who that student is and their comfort level okay. with being creative and being innovative. And those are some of the buzzwords that we're hearing a lot on college campuses now. You know, we're looking for students who are going to move the needle and be innovative and mm -hmm. whatever, whatever. So is, is um, that is that the modern well-rounded? I think so. Like yeah. that, that is a new well-rounded. Right? <laughs> um, so um, we're looking for students who kind of have those qualities. And not at every institution, but at some institutions that, I, that I'm familiar with. And so, um, yeah, I think, you know, if a student who chooses to do a video, it's like, oh, wow, like, why did they choose to do that? What does that say about 
who they are, their comfort level, their confidence about who they are to like show your face on a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, you know, students would do all these really cool edits, and so perhaps they're really tech savvy. So yes, it it does matter. I think all at right. the end of the day, I always think it's a good thing. Yeah. You know, I, I always find that students are surprised by this, like that they're not getting the advice that they can do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and whether it's a video or a portfolio, anything that's physical that they can hand in and, and, and supplement or replace the essay that lets them be who they are, I think is a powerful tool. I think the other piece here is that an essay can look like so many different things. Mm-hmm. It's all about being authentic to who you are. And so right. it doesn't necessarily need to be that standard five paragraph mm-hmm. essay that you learn in elementary school. Yeah. It can look like so many different things. I want to go back to one thing you said just a few minutes ago. You talked about misalignment. You were talking about the student who has a passion for biology and this theoretical student uh, who might want to become a doctor, and yet they're applying to Babson College, a well-known and well-respected business school. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see that a lot? Did you see students who are just applying to schools because you know they're supposed to apply to 10, 12 schools and they were just picking mm-hmm. schools out of a hat? I don't know that it's ever that random. Mm-hmm. With Common App, probably so. Um, I think a lot of students tend to hear schools or they see schools that are in their geographic area and so they say, oh, I should apply there because it's close by. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I should apply there because so-and-so went there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just for a lack of knowledge, um, not so much for bad intentions on their part. No, no, I agree with you. I I wasn't trying to suggest it was bad intentions, but I understand your point. Um, I think that one of the issues where I find a lot of struggle with students is doing that research mm-hmm. and understanding what a school is. Yeah. Like I've had students say to me, well, I'm, I live in the Boston area, so I'm going to apply to um, a Northeastern and BU and BC mm-hmm. because those are three well-respected, prestigious schools I've heard of that are not Harvard and Yale, so I think I can get right. into them. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good enough to get into those schools. Yeah. I'm not good enough to get into Harvard, so I can apply them. And then I think to myself, well, Boston University... Northeastern and BC are not very. I mean, yes, they're both. They're all three prestigious research universities, mm-hmm. but they're not similar. Right, right. <laughs> they're three very different schools. Yeah. What is it about these three schools that that attracted you? And then, oh, it's because they're all a twenty minute drive from my house. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that leads to a lot of problems. Are college admissions departments looking at that when students are applying? That the students are just not thinking about what the school is. Oh, I see what you're saying. Um. Yes. I think demonstrated interest, of course, is one easy way that we measure that. Um, I think the other piece of that is, again, going back to the narrative, you know, is there misalignment? I'm trying to answer your question and think at the same time, but I'm struggling to do so. (laughs) So there are just words coming out my mouth right now. That's okay. Um, As a culture, we're used to that right now. (laughs) So you may need to come back to me on that question. No, it's okay. Okay. It's okay. Um... I think the reason why that I, that I bring that up is because I'm often um, frustrated by that because when I'm working with students because students um, off like I've worked with some students who just went for the big names. I've actually had students come to me and say, "I'm picking out. I want to go. I'm thinking about Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio," and I'm like, "Why? Oh, because I've watched." them play football on yeah. Saturdays and yeah. I'm like oh, okay great <laughs> mm-hmm. but like what programs do they have there that you're interested in oh, I don't know anything about them mm-hmm. I just know I've heard the names mm-hmm. and I think that that is 
that is a trap that students can fall into that they can end up at a place that doesn't make them happy mm -hmm. uh, even if they were to get in mm -hmm. uh, and who knows if they're going to get in if they're not really well aligned with that school right, right. Um, I'm more interested in kind of two factors when I, from the other because I've been asking you questions from the admissions officer's perspective mm -hmm. but from the, uh, the college counseling advising perspective mm -hmm. the things that I'm interested in when I'm working with a student are two things um, does this school have the programs you want Mm -hmm. Like, does this school have a psychology department if you're interested in psychology? Right. Does this school have a strong, you know, history or literature or writing, whatever you're interested in, mm -hmm. like pre-med, you know, not every school has a pre-med program. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I, I want to, I like to talk about with students is, um, it's hard to express it. It's, it's, it's not just location, but it's the combination of location and, and, and community and culture and, and region. Mm -hmm. Like... A school that I applied to uh, is called Hamilton College. It's in upstate New York, in this tiny little village called Clinton, an hour away from the nearest big city. Um, that has a very different feel from a Boston University, which right. is on the streets of Boston. Mm -hmm. You know, you're there on this giant street, and cars zipping by, and you know, there in the distance is the Hancock Building and the Prudential Tower, and you know, you can hop on the subway and go places. So, knowing where you want to go in terms of what environment you want to be in. I guess that's mm -hmm. the best way to put it, environment, mm -hmm. for me, is a huge factor. Right. Um, there are good programs in lots of different environments, mm -hmm. and there's lots of environments that have good programs. Right. And I think for students to think about that, more than just picking out three names that are well-known, mm -hmm. is a big thing for me. But I was also thinking about it in terms of you know the other perspective uh, as admissions officer, if, you know, if you're an admissions officer, you know, at a school like Hamilton or some other school in upstate New York or, you know, far away from the big city, is that something that you think about with, will the student feel comfortable here? You know, if they come mm -hmm. what from the environment from which they come, you know, a student from the deep, dark inner city, mm -hmm. you know, growing up on the streets of New York or right. growing up, you know, in Boston mm -hmm. um, and then coming out to someplace that's virtually in the woods. Is that a consideration? I don't think so. It's hard to know whether a student can transition well coming from whatever community that they've come from. It's something that we're betting will go well and we're hopeful that the student support we have on campus will be sufficient to help them transition well. I came from a big city. I came from New York City. Mm -hmm. I went to Colgate University in middle of nowhere, central New York, and mm -hmm. I did just fine Right. because I was looking for that respite for four years, but I knew that after Colgate, I would return to a big city. Right. So we can't make those types of assumptions about students. If they're applying to our school, we assume there's some sort of reason, and we try and parcel out that reason as we read through files. But mm -hmm. if it's not evident or clear, um, then perhaps we'll kind of think about it a little bit more deeply. Is that why a lot of schools provide that question in the supplemental essay questions? Like, what about our school interests you? Right. Is that the chance for the student to say, I want to leave the city. I want to be mm -hmm. in this idyllic campus environment for a couple of years to get this different experience. Mm -hmm. So being honest and saying that is a good thing. Right. Being honest about it, yes. And I'd add being more specific than very surface level reasons. Mm -hmm. If you want to go to, let's say, you know, Boston University because it's in Boston, you need to have a little bit more reasons than right. just that one. Uh, what else about... It's not a bad place to start, but then a, you want to go deep. Right, yeah. Okay. And I think that's where students get tripped up the most. They oh, think okay. that 
I really want to study at a big research university in Boston. That is not a good enough response because every student mm-hmm. is probably saying that same exact thing. Yeah. So what are the specific things about that institution that stand out to you in terms of your long-term or maybe even short-term goals? So well? dropping names like this program, this professor, this class, is that the sort of depth you're talking about? If it is, if those are things that resonate with you as a student, sure. So long as it's honest. Yeah, exactly. all right. Because that's been a big theme on the pod as well. Is mm-hmm. you know, if you're gonna write these essays, if you're gonna say this to a college, say what's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't mm-hmm. just say what you think they want to hear. Right. Because I mean, I know I can tell when a student is being disingenuous in mm-hmm. an essay. I'm sure you and other admissions officers could easily spot that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, is there anything else that's on your mind? Anything else you want to talk about with this topic before we uh, wrap up today? I don't think that. I think we're all set. I think there's a lot about the college counseling process that we can discuss at another time. I think we're going to have to. Yeah, I think we're going to have to. But uh, yeah, glad to be on the podcast. All right. Well, thank you so much, Marvin. It's always great to have you on. And those of you listening at home or on your commute, thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, please remember to heart, star, uh, uh, thumb up, whatever your podcast listening app of choice lets you do to let us know that you like it. Uh, Please hit that share sheet and share with your friends, family, coworkers, and and colleagues. Uh, Let them know what you're listening to. And you know what? Share with your enemies, too. Show, show them how smart you are. That's, that's what you want to do. Uh, so just share out there. If anybody listens to the podcast in another format, we still get the, the listens, so it still counts for us. We're happy. And please remember to subscribe. That way, episodes are downloaded to your phone or other podcast listening device uh, right away so you don't have to search us out every time. And if uh, you um, want to uh, reach out to us, we have a Twitter account. It's at... Livius Pod. It's on Twitter. That way you can ask us questions, talk to us, respond. And if we get enough really good questions, we can do a whole episode answering those questions. So thank you so much for listening. And as always, let's keep learning.